Welcome to Rugged Rants, a tough and at times a bold conversation on the future of innovation and what we can expect as work changes. I'm your host, Barry Ross, and today's episode is on FirstNet. Our guest, Doug Clark, Executive Director of FirstNet. Doug is going to help us, among other things, understand what is FirstNet, its history, and its use cases. Doug, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Barry. I really appreciate uh, you inviting me and uh, look forward to our discussion today. How are you doing? I'm doing well, and I can say it's uh, it's great to finally have you on the show. Uh, I feel bad already. I'm just going to barrage you with a bunch of questions, and I hope that's okay. So let's get to it. Uh, so what is FirstNet, and how did it come to be? That's a great question. We get asked that question a lot, and I think the most important thing is to always understand where we came from and where we are today, because it really sets the foundation about the special program uh, for the National Public Safety Broadband Network, FirstNet. So FirstNet really originated out of uh, the September 11 uh, disaster uh, and attack, um, where our first responders, uh, in, in their process of responding to the disaster, ran into communication challenges with interoperability, uh, operability, uh, as well as um, uh, just congestion on the cellular networks that uh, didn't uh, promote uh, the communication uh, in logistics and planning uh, in that response uh, to the best that it could be. So the 9-11 Commission recognized that that was a challenge for our first responders. And as cellular networks uh, grew and proliferated even more, our first responders, as they went into other situations, started to experience the same problems with congestion. Um, so the 9-11 Commission said that there needed to be a national public safety broadband network for our first responders uh, to utilize. And really what took place was um, uh, the FCC allocated special spectrum for our first responders to utilize, spectrum being the frequency that connects your cellular device uh, to the cellular network. Um, and, and with that spectrum, uh, you know, the first responders had uh, the ability to start to look at how do we build this network, this national public safety broadband network. Um, in 2012, uh, with the Middle Class Tax Relief Act, so something that was signed by Congress, so everyone's uh, senators and uh, congressional representatives uh, actually signed a bill. Uh, and in that bill, it spells out a law. And, it, and that law really sets the foundation of how the first responder network is to be built, first that's to be built, uh, how it looks, uh, how it operates, where the governance resides with that. Um, and it created the first re responder network authority or first net authority, which is under the Department of Commerce. So under the Department of Commerce, the FirstNet Authority went out and they gathered millions of pieces of feedback and they interfaced with tens of thousands of agencies across the United States to get their input as to what a public safety broadband network would need to look like and what would it need to be able to provide to public safety for it to meet the mission of not only transforming communications and how they operate, but also being able to be available and have high availability for when those crises and disasters take place. Um, and so uh, between 2012 and 2016, the First Responder Network Authority gathered that feedback. Uh, they uh, issued an RFP. Uh, in that RFP, uh, AT&T was one of the respondents. Uh, we award the RFP in 2017. And the way the law reads is that each governor uh, has the ability to opt in to allow the contractor for the federal government, which is AT&T, to build that network in their state. 
All 56 states and territories opted in to allow for the contractor to build that network. Um, so when you look at what is the history of, of FirstNet, it literally is the public safety broadband network that's built off of public safety's requirements to be able to address their needs uh, for communications on a day-to-day basis, but especially during uh, times of disaster, times of crisis, times of need, to make sure that they have the right cellular resources there to be able to communicate between each other. Yeah, and that's an important background, uh, Doug. So thank you for that. That's a lot of history going back many years. And so I think that begs the next question. I mean, obviously, I come from a barrier, uh, carrier background, and you know, AT&T's got a great brand. What is the relationship between AT&T and the FirstNet Authority? Now, that's a great question, right? So uh, after opt-in, uh, you know, we uh, went out and got, you know, just like I was talking about, all the states to, to bring us uh, uh, or to, to allow us to, to build the National Public Safety Broadband Network in their state. So AT&T's relationship with the First Responder Network Authority is we're their public-private partner. Um, this is one of the largest public-private partnerships uh, that's been done in American history. Um, you know, in that, what we have been able to do is we have brought uh, a significant amount of resources to the FirstNet program, uh, and they provide their public safety expertise, uh, as well as guidance and the roadmap uh, as to what AT&T needed to deliver. And there is a governance model as well that uh, the First Responder Network Authority has to ensure that we're delivering. So when you look at the relationship, it's a, it's a success-based relationship uh, that we're delivering uh, to the First Responder Network Authority and to public safety what they ask for. Um, and because of that, um, you know, we're able to be the provider of the National Public Safety Broadband Network uh, to uh, those that are eligible to uh, get into the program. And so the, the, I think the next question, and I used to get this question all the time, so humor me on this, you know, when someone asks you, what is the difference between FirstNet and other carriers networks? Like, what's your response? Like, how do you answer that question? So I think, I think the first thing is, if you walk through what I talked about, the first thing is, you know, and that's why, the, in Barry, that's why that history is so important. Right. Because it really sets the foundation about how this is different than other carrier networks. Right. So, you know, for me, I'm an AT&T employee, but I look at AT&T as a separate network. Right. Because there's the public safety broadband network. So as I look at, you know, AT&T and other commercial carrier networks out there, they don't provide the same level of capabilities that this program provides with the amount of oversight uh, and the background as to how this came about. And so really, if you just look at it foundationally from a governance perspective, that's one of the major differences between uh, the commercial carrier networks out there and the National Public Safety Broadband Network or FirstNet is you have a whole governance model that comes through the federal government, federal oversight. In that as well, if you look at the history, we didn't really talk too much about it, is that there was special frequency or spectrum that was that was uh, needed to be uh, delivered and, and deployed across all these states that was allocated to public safety. Uh, and I may have mentioned that a little bit on the on the history part um, or the history uh, question. But when you look at that as well, AT&T doesn't own that spectrum, right? Uh, the First Responder Network Authority, they're, they're licensed for that spectrum. We have the ability to use it to be able to deliver this network. And so when you start to look at 
uh, how is FirstNet different than other carrier services? It has the federal government oversight associated to it. Oh, and by the way, uh, AT&T uh, has to uh, get direction uh, for the roadmap for the National Public Safety Broadband Network uh, for that spectrum as well. And the way that the law was written, it, it, it said that there needed to be a, a physical separate core. A core is really the, the, in essence, it's the intelligence about who's authorized and who can access the network and what spe- special features or capabilities they have. It really dictates how uh, that user is treated uh, on the network. And so, you know, that's in there. So th- that's completely different. So we're not mixing commercial traffic with public safety traffic on the core, physically separate, very secure. If you can imagine that this is a a significant uh, asset that's out there uh, for the way that we protect our communities, um, you know, there's a lot of threats that are around that. So AT&T's put up a lot of uh, security mechanisms uh, with our security network operations centers. But another thing that 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 is really important because we talked about uh, interoperability and interoperability being defined as agencies being able to communicate and logistically plan to respond together. And we talked about cellular congestion at 9-11 and the outcome of all the other incidents that have happened. And so you look at Katrina, you look at uh, the unfortunate school shootings that have happened in this country, you look at uh, a variety of, of situations where the cellular networks were congested and public safety couldn't communicate priority and preemption. So the ability for public safety to grab that frequency and in grabbing that frequency, be able to communicate and be, have prioritized communications uh, on the first net network uh, is critically important for them to be able to, to be operable together. And I think what, what this really spells out is that we are basing that on the way public safety asks for that to be implemented. And it's based on open standards, right? So no longer are we looking at uh, proprietary type of network environments. We're talking about open standards and using open standards to deliver some of these services. Um, the other thing about the program that's very interesting is there's a fleet of deployable assets that literally you can bring them out and it's a sell on light truck or a sell on wheels. So uh, for the listeners out there, if you just imagine uh, a larger box truck and it comes out and it has a mast on it, and we pop it up and it may have a satellite dish on top of it. And it provides cellular uh, coverage in an area that may not have cellular coverage. So we have a fleet of 72 of those that were uh, asked for uh, with the FirstNet program um, and three flying uh, cell on wings and a, and a large balloon. We have a whole fleet of uh, deployables that go out based on first responders requesting them. Uh, and we've used these for, you know, hurricanes. So you look at Hurricane Michael, look at Hurricane Florence, you know, we're moving these and we're putting them in strategic uh, areas, build support communications during response activities. Um, but those are like the planned disasters. Um, and so people think a lot about hurricanes and wildfires, and these have been utilized to provide first responders those communications. But then you also think about uh, unfortunate situations where you have missing children. Right. Uh, you have search and rescue operations. Um, you have uh, uh, seniors that get lost. Right. And maybe they're in areas where there's not cellular coverage. We deploy those on behalf of public safety uh, and we deploy them on behalf of public safety and have a, a service level uh, objective as to how long it takes for us to get those turned up. 
and that's just that's just part of uh, the 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 assets that AT and T provides, um, and those are part of the FirstNet program. But we have a, a significant amount of assets to provide this uh, enhanced connectivity and availability. And then finally, I think the really really uh, uh, time relevant thing about the FirstNet program is what we're going through right now uh, as a country uh, with COVID. And from an emergency operations center, uh, every emergency operations center across the United States has been uh, activated. uh, And we have the response operations group that we partner with those emergency operations centers. So as requests come in through the national incident management structure with Department of Homeland Security, as requests come in, for communications assets at those emergency operations centers. We literally are connected to the communications desk and we are providing communication assets uh, to our frontline first responders, our healthcare workers, um, wherever we need to put assets right now. Yeah, and so thanks for that. I think that that definitely helps in terms of, you know, framing the next question. And you got into a little bit, but when we talk about having a dedicated network, right, one thing, one item, one uh, topic always comes up, I think, from a carrier perspective is, you know, how does coverage and capacity play into FirstNet? And, you know, the details would be appreciated because I think you painted a great picture previously. But, you know, those are the questions that I always had to answer back in a previous life. Um, you know, how does that how does coverage capacity change with FirstNet or does it? No, it's a it's a it's a it's a question we get asked a lot, and I think what's important is to understand a little bit of the wow. history here, right? So when we were going through the history. I talked about two thousand one. There's a couple milestones before uh, the Middle Class uh, Tax Relief Act, before the First Net Authority was formed. But essentially, up until the contract was awarded, which was two thousand seventeen, um, you know, you got sixteen years that had passed, and public safety had been talking about this, and so. In that public-private partnership, uh, what uh, the First Responder Network Authority and AT&T did was, as I said, they, pr- they provided their expertise. We provided assets. Well, one of the assets that we provided back was access to all of AT&T's spectrum frequencies across the United States and the territories today. Um, so we were able to get operational uh, very quick, the National Public Safety Broadband Network, to be able to provide the coverage. Uh, and AT&T's network, uh, the National Public Safety Broadband Network, FirstNet, covers 99% of the population, right? So, so now we're on top of that, what we're doing is we're expanding that network based on the request for coverage enhancement from public safety and growing that network. And every time that we put a new cell site in anywhere across the country, uh, it has access to the National Public Safety Broadband Network. So it's really a benefit to not only citizens in these communities um, that that their first responders get access to this to the first net network, um, but then the first responders uh, they have special access to all of the frequencies that AT and T provides, so they can provide um, those those critical services to the communities that they serve. Um, so when it comes to coverage and capacity, uh, we have a significant coverage footprint, um, and on top of that, we're building out uh, the band fourteen frequency. Uh, that I talked about that was uh, specially licensed to public safety. And so uh, the great news about what we've done over the past three years is we've rapidly uh, provided this network um, that's been used so many times to uh, to uh, 
uh, respond and save lives um, by having more efficient uh, communications, which reduces response times for our first responders to that incident. And the outcome of that is a safer community uh, and a protected uh, community. Yeah, no, no doubt. And I think when we talk about the targeted industries, what exactly are we talking about? Is it uh, all first responders? Can you give a little clarity behind that? Yeah, so there's really two categories of uh, users. There's primary users, which are uh, your public safety answering point personnel. So your 911 centers, there are uh, you know trauma center doctors, uh, ER doctors, uh, our police, fire, emergency medical services personnel. Um, those are all primary users. They're able to be on the FirstNet network because this is what this was built for, right? Their response, they're in, they're on the front line day to day, responding to crisis and critical situations. Then in disasters, what you have is you have situations where you have industries or entities that respond to support the primary users. So we call those extended primary users. So if you think about uh, your utilities, a lot of the critical infrastructure industries um, and are, are part of this category of user. But I think it's even more than that. Um, we want to make sure and ensure uh, in the partnership with the First Responder Network Authority that we have the right authorized individuals. So when I'm talking about these industries, I'm not just talking about anyone at the utility company can get on it. Right. I'm actually talking about the role of the individual that you know repairs the line to get the power back to the community or you know or is the the gas worker that's walking into uh the home to verify that it's all clear before the firefighter goes in um you know those types of of use cases and so you know it's really it's it's really been uh rewarding in the fact that that we're not only talking about uh protecting communities we're now talking about giving access to those industries that protect our first responders as well because they respond with them uh, in certain situations. And so, and so when you're talking about particular use cases, we're talking public disasters. Can you give me a few examples? Uh, ones that uh, FirstNet's been deployed, I think, across you know, regions, states, uh, the country? Yeah, so I think, you know, when you, when you look at, uh, Hurricane Michael, you look at the California wildfires, uh, you look at, you know, I live here in Texas, you look at uh, the, some of the wildfires that happened in Texas and West Texas, um, you look at the earthquakes that have taken place, um, you look at the tornadoes that have recently, uh, you know, hit, uh, hit this country, especially in the Southeast as uh, we're ramping up for tornado season, the plains in the Southeast, um, and then we go right into hurricane season. Um, you know, those are some of the disasters that uh, we responded to. Um, unfortunately, I hate to say this. I, you know, I have I have three children, and this is this is something I worry about every single day. But we've responded uh, a lot to the the school shooting incidents that take place. Um, you know, there's nothing scarier than obviously that situation. But then uh, everyone shows up, right? The parents show up, the news media shows up, the first responders show up, and when they get there, every and the students are in there, and everyone's using the phones. Uh, to be able to communicate, uh, and it's 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 so important at that period of time that our first responders have access to the communications that they need uh, to be able to protect the children and protect um, you know protect the community. So uh, those are those are some of the areas that it's it's been used. But but you know those are the those are the 
the unfortunate situations that happen. I think for the viewership uh, and the, the the listening audience, I think what's important is also that you don't necessarily just look at this as a, uh, a capability that is just only for disasters. It provides day-to-day operations and it provides the same capabilities that I talked about earlier with priority and preemption and gives you access to those other program elements. But because it's doing that, it's actually giving you access to specialized applications that are built for those particular uh, disciplines that I talked about earlier so that you can run an application and you can reduce the response time when you're bringing in a patient uh, into a hospital and you can have that coordination between the emergency room doctor and the paramedic that's bringing that that patient in uh, and you're starting to share vital signs. So when you bring in the patient, um, the uh, ER room is already prepared uh, and they're not going through an initial triage, which shaves minutes off, uh, you know, critical minutes off of being able to respond to that uh, particular patient. And uh, those minutes, sometimes they really mean the difference between life and death. And so those are some of the things that we're doing on a day-to-day basis to be able to just support the way that our first responders work every day. Yeah, and I think th- those are really important distinctions slash applications of FirstNet. So thanks for that clarity. And so if we if we bring it up a level then, uh, so what would you know a customer or an IT manager need to know about deploying FirstNet? You know, are there considerations for this special network? Yeah, so it's it's a great question. And and I think, you know, we talked a little bit about how FirstNet is different than other cellular networks. Um, but it is still based on cellular technology. So, so from an implementation perspective, if I'm an IT manager, the same, uh, the same uh, methodology and processes that I use today to deploy cellular technology can be utilized with FirstNet. But what I think is, is great about FirstNet is that because it's a special program, we are offering special capabilities that you don't get through traditional commercial carrier deployments, such as network status. Uh, we give first responders, uh, the FirstNet program provides first responders access to uh, network information that you don't get through uh, traditional commercial carriers as to, you know, if there's maintenance being done on a specific tower, um, you know, in, in, in the tower's availability. And that's important because they need to make sure that they're coordinated in that deployment uh, as to where coverage is uh, and, and what coverage is available. I think the other thing, when I just look at the baseline of deployment, uh, the program has special resources and training uh, that we provide to our stakeholders, our customers in the success of FirstNet um, uh, to be able to get them deployed, make sure that they understand uh, some of the special tools that come with the FirstNet program, how to request that deployable. Um, so there's special considerations that are unique to the program but predominantly it's cellular technology. Um, and so from a technology perspective, an IT manager technology perspective, it's a lot of the same practices that they utilize today. And so moving from the questions about how IT or a customer would, I think, deploy and benefit from FirstNet, what would be the experience, I guess, is there an experience from you know, an end user or a consumer perspective, like someone like me? How would I experience FirstNet? What would I know about the the end result of FirstNet? So, as part of that, uh, so so technically, as a consumer, 
Um, unless you're uh, unless you're a first responder, um, as a consumer, you don't have access to FirstNet. Um, if you are a first responder, um, and this is why I, I caveat it, you, you do have access to be able to get on FirstNet with your personal device because what public safety said was that, you know, we have a lot of volunteers that are out there and we need to make sure that if they don't have a formal agency relationship that buys devices or phones for them, or maybe we have reserve officers that we don't provide cellular devices to, uh, that, that they can still get on the network. So we have a, we have a credentialing process that we go through to ensure that you're verified uh, as, a, as a public safety uh, individual uh, before you can put your personal phone on the FirstNet network. Um, now, that's, that's for a consumer that also is a first responder um, with their personal line. When it comes to consumers overall, uh, so the way that the public-private partnership works is, is public safety has priority and preemption across all of AT&T's frequencies, which I talked about earlier. But as we expand this network, what's actually happening is you're starting to see uh, more coverage, which impacts the consumer in a positive way. Um, and so with more coverage comes more access to internet. So you're starting to see communities that may have, have not had as much access to internet resources start to have more access to internet resources. So from a consumer perspective, it's very positive um, that the outcome of what FirstNet uh, has, has provided uh, to not only first responders, but to the communities that, that uh, are being expanded out to support those first responders. And access is so important, and which, which, which begs, I think, the next question, which we get asked a lot, you know, what are the implications of 5G for FirstNet? Are there implications? The Im implications for FirstNet is, um, you know, FirstNet is the nationwide communications platform for public safety. It's purpose built. 5G is the next generation of wireless technology. So FirstNet's based on LTE. Um, and over time, 5G is expected to deliver latency and capacity enhancements um, that are going to enable new capabilities for all types of users. And so what we're doing right now is we obviously recognize as AT&T that uniting the unmatched benefits of FirstNet with the future promise of 5G uh, can unlock a whole new world of public safety potential. Um, so we're definitely committed to the advancement. So is the First Responder Network Authority. Um, and, and the FirstNet Authority recently uh, underscored the importance of evolving and enhancing FirstNet uh, to meet uh, the, the changing needs of public safety. And they made some announcements about their support for sustained innovation uh, that 5G would drive. And so, and I think that that's really important, right? Because the critical nature of what they do. So bringing 5G though to public safety in that, in that, in that purposeful way, uh, uh, is bringing it to them in a way that works for their mission. And it doesn't happen overnight, right? So for instance, what I was talking about with priority and preemption, uh, uh, which is known as QPP or quality of service priority and preemption, um, many of the, the LTE QPP standards uh, that are used on FirstNet uh, uh, do not exist yet for 5G, right? So that's why you know, we want to ensure that not only are the use cases understood, um, and, and we're interfacing with public safety around those use cases today to better understand um, how they, how they want to utilize it. We want to make sure that the standards and the principles of FirstNet are carried into 5G uh, appropriately. And 
I think, you know, we're continuing to lead the way uh, with uh, the first 5G mobile service in the U.S. Um, and we're actively working to develop those standards uh, and the support needed to create the 5G environment that aligns with the FirstNet public safety mission. Um, and I think it's real important, too, uh, for my listeners to understand that we're talking about a roadmap item here for uh, FirstNet and the methodology that's being taken to, to, to deploy that technology. But the FirstNet Authority is also developing their roadmap <clears throat> uh, for the way that the future looks based on the needs of public safety. And so I talked about the history, the roadmap or the development of the RFP. Uh, then I also talked about AT&T was awarded that contract. Well, it's an initial five-year build-out plan, but it's a 25-year contract. So FirstNet Authority has representatives in the field today, and they're getting more public safety feedback so that as they evolve the network, um, you know, and 5G is a great example of an evolution that's occurring for public safety, that they're evolving it the way that public safety wants the program to evolve. So when, when I talk about that public safety literally owns and operates and, provi- and provides the, the roadmap for the National Public Safety Broadband Network, it's through this continual co- consultation between the FirstNet Authority on the federal uh, entity uh, and the state and local governments and the first responders as to what they need to be able to continue to operate and, and, and perform in the future uh, on their mission to protect our communities. Yeah, I mean, that's impressive, having a 25-year roadmap uh, and trying to implement against that. Uh, that's that's something. And, and so moving beyond just, you know, 5G, right, and the implications of 5G, you know, what what does the future of innovation look like for FirstNet? Uh, outside of requirements, outside of specifications. Is there anything you can talk to about that? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, FirstNet, so Internet of Things, everyone talks about Internet of Things, right? So right. so if you think about it, now there's public safety things. There's, uh, you know, there's there's the Internet of Things that are public safety oriented. There's, I've heard the Internet of Life, life safety things, right? I've heard a lot of different uh, ways to classify it, but Essentially, it's how do we take sensors and technology to be able to enhance uh, the response uh, and create more situational awareness, but at the same time, be able to do it in a purposeful way uh, that shares information at the right time with the right person to have the right response. And and so when you think about where is FirstNet headed uh, and some of the other areas, um, you know, we're talking about IoT sensors, data, video that all get that that capability to to take advantage of uh, the quality of service priority and preemption uh, parameters on the network. Uh, And then we're starting to talk about uh, how do you stack those up to what's the most critical element to be delivered at that specific time. Um, And so I think, you know, FirstNet brings that power to connect all those different things. Um, And then the expertise between the FirstNet Authority and AT&T brings the way that you can utilize that power and the way that you can implement uh, those uh, different solutions. And so, you know, part of the evolution of FirstNet is also the device ecosystem. So there's over a hundred different devices that are able to connect uh, to uh, the FirstNet. There's close to a hundred applications, if not more, that are out there that are purpose-built. They've gone through a governance uh, uh, security methodology to make sure that uh, we know that they're public safety relevant, as well as that they're public safety uh, certified on the FirstNet network. Um, and so, you know, I, 
it, it's 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 a hard question to really hone in on one specific area. But what we're starting to do is take the the evolution of the technology that we're seeing out there and 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 bake it in and build it into uh, the first net network to be able to provide uh, the information that's needed for our first responders to have better situational awareness and respond faster. Yeah, and I think you did answer that question uh, quite succinctly with, you know, the growth of that ecosystem with the applications, the use of IoT, uh, the certification of, you know, devices, uh, which is impressive. And so, you know, we've talked a lot about a lot of things on this call. And so for our listeners, if there's one takeaway, Doug, from everything we've discussed, you know, what would that one thing be? What would you want our listeners to remember about this podcast? No, it's, it's, uh, it's, um, thanks for giving me that question. So it, it's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of information, you know, that we've gone through today. And again, I appreciate uh, the time today. So, um, you know, I think the biggest thing that I'd, I'd want the listeners to understand is that FirstNet is public safety's dedicated nationwide communications program and platform. Um, it's bringing public safety communications uh, into the 21st century with new innovative capabilities to strengthen uh, first responders' incident response, right? We talked about the day-to-day operations incident response. Um, and it's helping them connect to critical information they need every day and in every emergency. Um, you know, I'd want the listeners to understand that this is the National Public Safety Broadband Network that Congress authorized through law and is being implemented. Uh, and it's available for their first responders and those that support them uh, to be able to protect and serve their communities that much more effectively. Well, I I would say, Doug, uh, that was a great, great summary. And, you know, we're nearing, unfortunately, the end of our time. And uh, we get to the part of the segment for our listeners. It's the one question I just really, really adore. You know, if if there's one thing you love about your job, for this last question, you know, how would you answer that? What do you love about your job? That every day I know that what I do impacts the community that I live in and the communities across this country. And quite honestly, that there's some situation out there that I've enabled a first responder to be able to respond more efficiently, effective, and not only a life, but a child's life is saved out there, right? Because I have, you know, I have kids of my own. And I think about that all the time. That's what drives me. And just even more so, Barry, my whole organization, a lot of them are first responders. A lot of them are volunteer fire. A lot of them are reserve. Everyone looks at this as this is our mission and this is what we're here to do. And we get the mission. Uh, and we're here to implement it for our first responders across the United States. And uh, I, I, for one, uh, appreciate all the work that you do, as well as all the first responders, Doug. And so, you know, good things come to those who wait. And I will say it's been great having you on the show. And, you know, really, thanks for joining. Now, thank you for having me today. And uh, I look forward to talking to you again. Yeah, you bet. So that's it for today. I want to thank everyone for uh, listening in. Uh, my name is Barry Ross, and that was another episode of Rugged Rants. Tune in to new episodes on a whole range of topics, each a tough and bold conversation on the future of innovation and what we can expect as work changes.